0: welcome to hiding under the desk the podcast for writers who have little confidence and massive fear when it comes to following their writing and creative dreams i've been hiding under the desk for many years but have decided no more and now i'm helping others to crawl out and share their writing and creative endeavors with the world This is episode number seven, and today I'm delighted to be interviewing writer, author, mentor, and my teacher, Beth Kempton. Beth is the author of non-fiction books, including Freedom Seeker, Calm Christmas, and most recently, indeed it was publication day on the day we recorded this, The Way of the Fearless Writer. Beth has a business called Do What You Love and has an array of courses, including the book Proposal Masterclass, which is the one I took last year. So that's the introductions all done. Now, on with the interview. Hello, Beth. And welcome to Hiding Under the Desk. First of all, I would love to say congratulations to you because the day that we're speaking today, Thursday, the 6th of October, it is the publication day for your book, The Way of the Fearless Writer. So congratulations to you and welcome. Thank
1: you, and hello, and isn't it cosy here under your desk with our cups of tea and our blankets?
0: Yeah, and, a, and a couple of Labradors snoring Yes, away.
1: so snuggly, never want to leave. If, if we just stay here under the desk, that would be perfect. Except it would,
0: it would. We'd miss it's out really- on
1: a lot of the world, but it's <laughs> cosy.
0: Absolutely. This podcast is called Hiding Under the Desk because I talk a lot And a lot of the people that listen are very unsure, scared, have little self-belief. And the reason why I called it hiding under the desk was that I would write a piece, send it live, say it was a blog post, send it live. And then kind of slam the laptop lid shut in case people were looking, (laughs) looking at me. And I would go outside to my back garden and at the time I had chickens and ducks, so I would go out and talk to them. But it, it was a kind of hiding from my computer, um, wanting to hide away and get cosy, like you said, under the desk. However, when I look at you and everything that you've accomplished... I think you've had four books. Is it four or five books? This is the fifth one. I'm working on the sixth one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the fifth one, you've studied Japanese, you've done all your travelling, you've got your business, do what you love. I've taken one of your courses about writing a book proposal. From an outside perspective, it doesn't really look like you need to hide under the desk. However, I always know it's like Instagram pretty pictures and you never know what's going on behind the scenes and I like to dig into because I think it's so interesting for beginners well even people who are further down the line as well to know that accomplished writers have felt the same as them at some point so can you tell us a little about your creative confidence journey sure
1: I what a wonderful image of you slamming down your laptop and running out to your chickens I'm never going to forget that um I don't know a single writer who hasn't done that and I I think it's um I think the difference between people which is sometimes based on personal personality is how often they stop slamming the laptop the lid down and running outside do you know what I mean I mean mm. I still remember the feeling of hitting um, post on my or publish, I think it was on my first blogspot blog post um, and it was the it was the experience that I never quite understand whether that feeling is fear or excitement and it's probably the mixture of both. Um, I had kind of nothing to lose mm-hmm. because I, I mean I started my blog in it must be 12 years ago now. So blogging at that time was was a very different thing, I think, to what it is now. Not many people were doing it. And it was very much about lots of people sharing beautiful pictures and um, just kind of documenting the beauty in their lives and talking about it. Um, and it was really a way for like-minded people to kind of find each other on the internet. And it is that now, but it's obviously a lot noisier. And a lot of people I know who did fantastically well at blogging back then don't don't do like haven't caught up in on the other platforms in the same way which has been really interesting um but I just felt like it was a bit of an adventure as well as being oh but also I realized that it takes a lot of effort to get people to see your work so we're terrified like in the just in the the practicality of those first posts if you've just you've just built a website and you're posting your first blog post you have to work really hard to get somebody to read that it's but it feels like as soon as I hit publish every single Mm -hmm. person I know and all the people I don't know in the entire world are going to read it if that Mm -hmm. was the case then Facebook would make no money from advertising so I you know just just for the the tip on the first day it's probably nobody's reading it so I wouldn't worry about it too much (laughs) (laughs) that you know in the beginning um but I have to say yesterday I was having a chat with um a, a very, very well-known author who shall remain nameless, who, if I said their name, you would know who it is. and um we were talking about speaking at big events and how we um we've both done it, and i th- I thought that person did that all the time. That was just the impression that I got from them. um and they were kind of the same about me. you thought I was like out out and about out there and i and I was talking about how. I I can do standing on a stage and talking to people and I've had training for that in order to be able to do it um, but I've come to the realization that it takes a huge amount of psychic space and energy to not just to prepare the talk but to prepare myself and then to recover afterwards from you know talking to a, a big crowd and so it's 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 definitely scary um, but it's it's just such a big burden on my time because it's not just about the event and I've realized that unless it's something very specific which means a lot to me I have to think incredibly carefully about whether I'm going to do it and that the older I get and the further I get in my creative career the more permission I've learned to give myself to not do the things that I either don't like doing or that take up valuable writing time creative time other you know time doing other things because of the psychic weight of that job. And I think it's really... And, and the reason I'm sharing about the other author is they were like, that's so funny that you think I do events. I've just turned down a massive event because it's just, oh my God, it's too exhausting. And actually, most of the time, I'm just in my house and people think that that they do all this stuff. So it was such, such an interesting conversation. Um, everybody feels fear in different ways. And I think it's one there's lots of things that we can do and I'm sure we'll talk about that today but one of the really big things to know is that as as a writer as a creative person there are so many ways these days we're so lucky to share our work with the world a book is a really obvious one because you know lots of us love books we love libraries we love bookshops we love the idea of something with our name on it and that we can hold in our hands a book's just one thing a podcast is another thing when you if you You know, magazine articles are another thing. Being interviewed on television and radio to promote said thing that you've made is another thing. You are perfectly within your rights to say, I am never going on television. I'm just not doing it. That's not me. But I will show up for my work in these ways, XYZ. You can't do nothing. Well, you can do nothing and enjoy writing under your desk. (laughs) And And that's perfectly legitimate. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if you want to get the benefit, the incredible benefit of connecting with other people and helping them some way in their life, whether that is because you help them escape to another world with a beautiful story, or whether it's because you make them feel less alone, because they understand your experience is somehow their experience is reflected in that. So they see themselves in what you've written or whatever it is, it's it's hard to describe how amazing that is when somebody writes to you and say, Your book has changed my life. Um, And it can do that because it only takes a tiny, tiny trajectory shift in order for that trajectory to become a completely different direction within the course of a human lifetime. So sometimes it's, it's the same way that somebody might have said an off the cuff comment about you can't write or you can't sing or whatever at school. And that there was this tiny little shift. And your whole trajectory has gone this way when it could have gone this way, you know, and it works in both ways, you know, it works both ways. So I, I would say from this position that I'm in, which is very much walking the path, not at the end of the path. I want to write books my whole life and they get better with every book. But I also want to write you know, the idea of the kind of quality of book I'd like to write when I look at my own writing heroes, you know. I, in my, I'm probably 15 books away from that so I just keep on writing you know but I, even so I mean I think it's we just need to let ourselves do the work that we want to do and share it in a way that works for us. I absolutely love Instagram because I love the combination of visuals and words. I don't really use Instagram that much for my own inspiration I don't really I don't really scroll Instagram and I think what the Mm. one of the problems we have is that we say I hate that platform because it's just all adverts well it's not any adverts at all if you don't look at everything else so you can just use it to talk to your people so you can just share your stuff and then you know if you want to spend an hour on a Friday afternoon with a cup of tea looking up the people that you really like and, you know, building relationships with them and commenting and things. But there's no rule that says you have to scroll through everyone else's stuff and go, oh, God, look at them. They got another deal. Their house looks beautiful. Their Y, Z. That's your choice. And I think it's so important to remember that we get to choose how we show up for our work and what we turn away and don't look at um, and, and just keep coming back to the to the writing.
0: I think that is so true. At the end there, you were talking about how we had control over what we consume on Instagram for example reading through your book your latest book I am about a quarter of the way through um, and it's taken me a while because you know there's lots lots of. oh
1: look at all those markers I love it I hope you're scribbling on all the pages I,
0: I am do you know what I feel as I've even you know even done a little lighthouse there on the bottom of the page because what did you write there experience the joy of shining your light for them and I've actually got a lighthouse that has got a bulb inside it to the side of me here which you can't see on my desk to remind (sighs) me to be a lighthouse and to shine my light yes there are so many brilliant things in here you know even the fact that you get up at 5:10 a.m. um 16th of january at my desk still dark uh silver rain is falling from the street lamp i mean that i've just put that i love it there's so many things i've circled things coming back to what i was saying about control and i've written it here at the bottom relinquish control put Little Heart next to it, because that's how much um, it had an impact on me. Because you talk about relinquishing control of the writing process. So you wrote, for example, I was trying to control what the book would become, and how it would be received by the world. This is
1: talking about my first book, Freedom Seeker. Yes,
0: yes. And I had one of those moments where you think oh my goodness that's me mm. and I thought this as you know I'm writing my book proposal at the moment and I you not wait to
1: read this book. <laughs> so you've already got your first reader right here <laughs>
0: thank you so much but you know this because um I took your course um, the Book Proposal Masterclass, I think it's mm-hmm. called. And I have been writing this book proposal f- since your very first course doing this. And we we talked off air about this and it's about three years ago. And then I did a catch up um, because I had a kind of big epiphany and I changed the way I was going. This book proposal, I was struggling with like the writing sample, the first one, two, three, or whatever, however number of chapters that I include within the proposal. And I think it was because I was trying to control how the person reading it and in this case literary agent or um you know if I go direct publisher the person who would receive it and how they would feel about it how they would react to it and I was writing with them in mind and it was creating a kind of block. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned the gate of desirelessness and Mm -hmm. um about learning to write without trying to control the outcome. So can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Of course and it's it's fantastic that you're willing to share that because it you know it's always helpful to have a kind of concrete example and just to very briefly say about book proposal for anyone who doesn't really know how they work um so obviously helen's working on non-fiction and my book proposal masterclass is all for non-fiction and fiction is is slightly different um but I do talk about that in chapter 10, if you want to find out more about it. Um, but essentially, um, for a nonfiction, unless you're writing memoir, you write a book proposal and then you get a book deal and then you write your book, which a lot of people don't seem to know. Um, it's totally fine not to know that. There's a big advantage to know that because you don't waste time writing the wrong book. Um, you know, and it, it helps to have a book deal. Um, if you have a traditional publisher, then you'll have an advance, which can really help free up time. You know or pay for research or whatever it is um, and the thing with a book proposal is that the, the people who are going to see it are an agent if you are trying to get represented um, and then a publisher. A lot of publishers um, don't take direct submissions because the agents are trusted to basically be the first filter for them and they know that if say for example my agent Caroline gets in touch with an editor who she knows and knows what they publish and what they like and sends them an, uh, an email and says I think you're going to really like this would you like to see this manuscript the chances are they're going to say yes unless they've got a very good reason like we published a book like that last week so it's not the right time or whatever. they're probably going to say yes because there's a trust relationship there so there's lots of reasons why an, an agent can be good but so so that's agent and publisher are basically the two audiences of your book proposal um, and within the publisher there's somebody called a commissioning editor who buys the essentially the rights to publish the book that you've not yet written which is a in- huge leap of faith and i think they must have all sorts of fear issues <laughs> because they're putting their company's <laughs> money behind something which could become something else who knows it often does you know um but then what a lot of people also don't know i think is that it's not just the person who the commissioning editor who sees that proposal it's it's representatives of all the big teams in that publishing house and there's a there's a pitch meeting and different editors are pitching different things that they want to buy and not everything gets bought and the sales team will take your book proposal and all the figures that you suggest and their knowledge of the market and do an actual calculation to see how many books they think they can sell um, and how much profit they think they can make which will be connected to how much they might offer you for your book Um, and then further down the line while you're off having a lovely time writing your book somebody might be making a book cover Uh, for your book and somebody might be selling your book in to Waterstones or Barnes and Noble or who who knows who Um, and that is all on the basis of your proposal because often timelines for non-fiction books especially in the well-being space are quite short Um, and so none of my the people who were selling my book on my behalf saw my manuscript in time for them to start working you know they might be talking to big magazine or something saying there's this great book coming the only information they have is what's in the book proposal so it's a very very important document um it never gets shared with the general public so it's not a document intended for your readers and it is a document you have to remember it's a commercial document you're making commercial um, pitch to a company that has a commercial interest in books that's their business um, and so it's really important to keep that in mind when you're working on your the kind of business elements of it the you know what is this book idea why why is this big idea so important um why you why now and who's it for those are the really the, the four big questions you have to answer it sounds like five but the first two are the same thing you know what is this book what's the big idea um, and that you have to be savvy and business minded at that point you want to give your book the best possible opportunity and of course all sorts of self-doubt comes up at that point um and that's that's fine I think that kind of self-doubt is absolutely par for the course and I get to that point I'm like this is a good problem to have because if I wasn't even close to pitching this book that I really want to write I wouldn't even be having this problem. So I see that as part, it's like a milestone. It's like, I've got to the point where I have to actually worry about what a publisher's gonna think about my book idea. Wow, I am so much further on than I was five years ago, right? So you can, you could. there's lots of things you can do with self doubt, but I think that's a really important one. Um, but you're, you specifically were talking about your chapter samples. Mm. so at the end of your proposal you have to um submit especially for the first time you write one um if you haven't published a book before you have to um submit two to three chapters It it depends different publishers different agents ask for different things but essentially enough writing that they get a flavor of your style your writing your ideas so say for example like my kinds of books have exercises in Well, what might those exercises look like? Are they original? Are they the same old life coaching exercises that everyone chucks out there? Um, So they get a kind of snapshot of what the book will be. You are not held to putting those words into your book. There's absolutely you do not have to. And you also don't have to stick with the order of the contents that you put in the book or anything like that. Um, You mentioned the, the gate of desirelessness. That's one of three gates, which is the big structure of the way of the fearless writer. That wasn't in my book proposal because it hadn't come at that point.
0: Ooh, that's could, so interesting. Yeah,
1: and I can talk about that in a bit. But essentially, as the author, you are perfectly at liberty to change whatever you want between the book deal and the um, delivering it for nonfiction as long as they get what they bought so that's why for me understanding the promise of change of your book is really important because essentially your proposal is i've got this great idea to help people get from here to here if they buy this they're going to want this book because they want to make that change and if they read this book that change is going to happen for them it doesn't matter what the chapters are called as long as the book that you deliver does the job nobody's yeah. going to you know worry about that and i can say that with confidence because five books in every single one has changed from the proposal and no one has ever said one word about Well, that you didn't write this in your proposal, honestly. So, so that's good to know. You have that freedom. With your writing sample, yes, it will be read by the agent and the publisher, but they are not your reader. For the writing sample, they are not your reader. And you know your reader so much better than them. If you think about um, a, say, say, my agent, for example, might represent an author who writing a, a scientific book um, a book about nutrition my books that have a strong eastern connection yeah. all sorts of things so so their genius is that they have probably read their entire life and read so many books understand a sense of quality and understand the market and the commerciality of books that's why they're great to have in your corner but you know your reader a lot better and you probably know your subject a lot better than even your publisher. That's why you're the author. And so you've, you've got to know that they're buying this because they want you to write it. And so in your chapter samples, you have to talk to your people. So if you, you know, and for you, Helen, I know just before we came on, you were talking about how you might write that and you've absolutely nailed it. That's what you need to do. You need to sit down quietly, Light a candle, think of somebody that you know in your community and exactly what they're struggling with and write to them. If that helps you, you can also do it where you don't think about anybody and you ask a question that if if you're writing the kind of book, which I think you are, which is dealing with the things that you've struggled with Mm. and that's why you're qualified to talk about it, then write what you would have loved to have been told 10 years ago, what you needed to hear that nobody told you. Just write that. The thing that if you know what, if you'd read this, you'd have just gone, oh, it's okay. I can do it this way or I can not do that. Or I have something to offer people. Write down all the things that you want to hear and there will be your chapters, your chapter sample. It will be there because, you know, every single thing that your people need to hear because you've been doing this. For however many years you've been doing it, and you intimately understand it yourself. So even you know those days when you read stuff, you you read a inspiring quote on your wall because it makes you feel better, and you're not sure if you quite believe it, but it's still there, and you know it's doing you some good. Write that, write that thing that you still don't quite believe, but know you need it, just to get the stuff out on the page, and then you can tweak it later. Um, but it is for those people, and. I, to be completely honest I often write massive chunks of my book without even thinking about my reader early on because I'm it that is like the co-creation with the universe piece I'm literally just like what have you got here's my question give me some answers and whatever you call that it works it's amazing and that's you you have access to more wisdom than you know but you just have to quiet in the world to hear it Um, and I think that's that's where it you know not spending all your time on social media and um, even things for me it's things like not watching the news I never ever watch the news I almost watch no television I've no I have one Mm -hmm. series on Netflix that I watch and Mm. that I, I just don't because it it feeds different parts of your brain that sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's just noise and you waste energy worrying about stuff that's either nothing to do with you or things that you can't do anything about when there's something here that you can do in the world that is incredibly valuable right in front of you if you just stop
0: watching the telly (laughs) do you know as you were talking I was thinking oh I've got an anecdote about that I've got one about that as well and one about that but it's so true and I think a lot of it does come back to control and a in terms of stop giving the Agent, or whoever the commissioner, editor, or whoever is going to read my proposal, so much control be and sort of you know, write. Elizabeth Gilbert says, write to save yourself, and, mm-hmm. and that's what I want to do because I know by writing to save myself, I will be able to help other people as well. But if I wrote a how to book with them in mind first it would be completely different and probably quite dry and not me at all. A
1: Freedom Seeker for me. I love that book. It's precious. It's my first child. And I know it's helped a lot of people. As far as I'm concerned, I could sell no more copies of that ever in my life. And that has been a massive gift for me. It didn't only teach me how to write a book. It's... I set myself free writing that book Mm -hmm. because what I learned about how to surrender to the creative process taught me how to surrender to life and all the stuff we can't control you know it's so important and we we have to this notion of control that we have as human beings is just completely nonsense Mm -hmm. and I think that's why the pandemic was so shocking for people because it was just like a a reality check it's like all these Mm -hmm. things we build all these structures um from everything from the societal structures through to the schedule that we write in our diary. And we think because we put it there, it's never going to change. And it that like goes against the fundamental rule of nature that everything changes. It's just yeah. completely crazy. And yet that's how we set ourselves up. That's what we, it's really, I don't really know who's teaching that except that's what we've all learned. It's really strange. Um, but the creative process is, it's, it's not another hobby that you sit down and do it's part of being human and it's expressing yourself and your your individuality but kind of beyond i don't mean the the way that we wear pink hats or green shoes or like the kind of this is who i am thing it's it's when we get rid of all that actually and it's the version of ourselves that we maybe have completely lost sight of and I know that you talk a lot about what when you were a child Mm. and I think that you know when I was a child I wrote anything everything I'd submit poems anywhere I wrote newspapers all the time with my friends I mean I didn't care I didn't even think about when other thing was going to think about it because this was super fun and I'm like what happened like where did that disappear yeah
0: Yeah. this is something that I've talked about with my community in the club it's like what has happened between the child I was when I was fearless and um you know I I would be up for anything I would speak my mind and all these different things and then what was it university getting married children my my job um but then something happened and it isn't until now I'm in my mid-40s she says with a birthday coming up next week and thinking Mm -hmm. maybe I'm not quite mid-40s anymore but I'm now thinking. Do you know what? I want that feistiness back, and I'm yeah. going to get it back, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going gonna... <sighs> to do. I'm trying to think of what to say without swearing, but <laughs> basically,
1: oh, free for to swear. is your
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, do what I want to do and forget about what other people think or hey. what I think they might think. Here's the thing.
1: Firstly, we never know what anyone else is going to think. And secondly, one thing I've realised is that most people do not care anywhere near as much as we think we do. And one of the really important things I said in the book, I really want people to know this, is people can love you and not give a toss about your writing. Like, it is shocking how many people who I would consider very important to me have never read my books or I've sent them one and they never said anything about it or just, and it's not like, They've noticed, they don't say anything bad about it. They're just completely uninterested. Yeah, And, yeah. and you know, today's my launch day. It's a really big deal in my professional life. If they were getting a new job, I'd be there congratulating them. But crickets, it's totally fine. You know, after these amount of years, I've realised that there are people that I have this kind of relationship with and people have this kind of relationship. And not everybody has to do all the jobs for you as a friend or family member. Yeah. Um, and I think we... You just have to like like what, what is it that we need somebody to say and why do we need them to say it in order to do what we love to do? And it's interesting, I have this thing on my Instagram. Um, I do it every season, and it's called Tiny Something Poem. And it depends what the yeah. um the season is. So at the moment it's tiny autumn poem. And basically I give one word and um people have 10 minutes and they have to write a poem. And they're not allowed to edit it or only edit it a tiny bit. And it's basically just to just go, what comes to mind? Do that, write it down. Oh, look, I did a poem, post it with no big deal. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, And some of them turn out to be actually quite beautiful poems. And some of them are just not even really a poem at all. But who cares? I spent 10 minutes having a go. That's the kind of... idea of of the challenge and today's prompt which I actually wrote the prompts back in spring I think I just did them all in one go and today's prompt is permission and I wrote a poem in fact let me just read it to you it's not because it's a great poem but because it's exactly what we're we're talking about and it's so interesting how it just it's such a it's such an important thing for us hang on one second let me find it basically if I can't find it it was about saying the sun doesn't wait for anyone to say yeah you can shine and the moon doesn't wait for anyone to say that the river doesn't wait for anyone to say yeah you go going to flow over there or the rain to yeah you make a puddle over there that's fine and yet here we are human beings waiting for someone and who knows who to say yes please go ahead and re- be the human that you are and spill all your stuff that's inside you that who knows who put it there because that's just in you and put it out in the world, like who is it that we're expecting is going to give us this permission because nobody is and the people that we give all our attention to are usually the people who've tried to squash that and stop us doing it and we have to turn away from them and go well your opinion doesn't matter anyway and one of the things I really really hope people do from reading the way of the fearless writer is firstly give themselves whatever permission they need just just get on with it like nobody is gonna you can wait as long as you want I'm telling you at 45 no one is going to come along and say right you get to do this. You just get to do it so so get on with doing it um, but also to become the somebody who trusts their own opinion of their work and you get better and better at doing that by writing a lot by reading a lot so having you know, developing your own sense of quality in writing which is different for everybody but you know what that is um, and not sharing your work for feedback from other people until you Think, I don't mean you think it's good from a judgment point of view, but from a, a writer who's read a lot and written a lot. And it's like, yeah, there's something here. I like this. And has shaped it and got to a point where I could do with somebody else's input. That's a good time to start sharing it very carefully with the select people, not necessarily your husband or you know, <laughs> whatever somebody who's even someone else who's written a book just because someone's written a book doesn't mean that they're a good person to comment on your book they might be but they might not be you know so I think it's it's really important to develop that sense which is why in my classes my writing classes there is a fundamental rule of no critique if you want critique there's a hundred places in the world to go to to get that from you're not going to find it in my classes because actually what's more important is that you just get used to firstly writing the stuff without fear of judgment you not judging yourself and then sharing it without any fear of judgment so people in my classes are only allowed to write supportive comments like oh I love your last line oh thanks for reminding me of that lovely memory when I was a child whatever absolutely nothing about the quality of of people's work and it's incredible even within a two week class if people are posting every day by the end of it the quality of their work has gone up a whole level Mm. because they've started to go I'm not posting this and seeing oh so and so liked that they didn't like that oh this is confusing because different people like different things they're like that felt really good to write or that felt really good to read back or "Mm, I'm looking at these 10 pieces I've done and I'm thinking this one feels like me that's interesting why is that and started I think I'll I'll do a bit more of that whatever that is and they start to trust themselves and when you I I trust my writing I do and I I don't it doesn't mean I always write good stuff but the drafts of my manuscripts don't go to my um, agent or they go to my agent about 10 days before I submit the final draft the final manuscript to the publisher publisher never sees it until the day it gets sent in I know that is not the case for everybody I know a lot of people get a lot of editorial support along the way I think it depends on you and what you ask for and how you work with your publisher um but I've just come to that basically that the the book that you read is the book that I wrote Mm -hmm. there's a couple of tweaks but not much um and, and I think that's a really important thing for you to do so Helen I would say don't submit that proposal until that chapter summary feels like how you would speak to somebody that you know that is is it and sometimes actually just speaking it out loud is a good way to get something down that you can work with but um that's not an excuse to not write it what I mean is crack on with talking about it that way and then um see where you get to but at the end of the day you an editor is not there to make your writing better I think there's this big misconception about that you're the author Mm -hmm. you get to write the book you want to write so make sure that you write the book that you're quite happy to talk about for the next 20 years and that you know it's going to help those people because the last thing you want to do is you know you've got this community of people who are just desperate for you to put in writing in one place they can keep by their bedside all the stuff that they come to you for you don't want to give them something that they read it and they're like "What? that's not what I know Helen to be she doesn't speak like that that's not how you know and that is what fear does mm. fear goes let's just do something that is so um it's so not black or white that it kind of keep those people happy and those people happy, those people happy, half of which are firstly not going to read it or don't matter anyway right so just you you've got everything you need to get that done you could do it this afternoon honestly yeah, yeah. um and and I think it's really important to just just a lot of it comes from trusting yourself and the trust comes from doing it over and over again, which you've been doing for years. And I'm not just saying this to you. I'm saying this to everybody. But I know that you this is something that you feel yeah, as well.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. Do You know, I, I could talk to you so much more, but I'm very conscious of the time. And I will probably listen through the interview as I'm editing it and thinking, oh, I could talk to her about that. And you could talk to her. You've got so much wisdom. The way you write is so beautiful and poetic and um, descriptive, but it also a lot of wisdom comes Mm -hmm. along with that. And a lot of, yes, she has got into my mind and she is giving me um, reassurance and not permission because um, I don't think I need that, but just that boost Mm -hmm. that you need to get you over the line
1: what a lovely thing to say thank you and I think those two things come from different places I think the um the wisdom part comes from when I totally surrender and
0: yeah.
1: l- write what one I say what wants to be written that's yeah. you know how I set most of my writing exercise off it's like write what wants to be written I'm that's not me going I've got a clever idea I'm going to write this down this is like me going here's a question what's the answer and then you know writing it down which I some people would call a prayer I think I don't, but some people would, you know, Um, and then there's a different process. I say, right, flow in the writing is not the same as flow in the reading. And then I spend a lot of time and care to say, what's the most beautiful way that I can say that thing? Mm. So those they come at different places. And I don't think you've got to that point in the book, but in the middle part of the second part of the book. I talk about how writing exists in three states, which mirror the states of water. Yes, um, I've just got to that bit. Have you? Bit. yes. Yeah, so, there's, so two of the states are basically about getting words onto a page. Gaseous is really about Sorry, gaseous. 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 Well, I don't know which it is. The guy doing the audio <laughs> bit told me it was gaseous. I'd said gaseous, <laughs> so who knows? Um, but anyway, that one um, is it's really just seeing what's in your mind, like the 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 worries and the, all those that noise and putting it on the page, which is, you know, some people would call that journaling. Um and then the the liquid state writing is what I call it kind of deep writing is when you're it's almost like you become the writing and and mm. you, when you realize you're in it, then you're not in it anymore. Yeah. It's where you know, yeah. I'm sure you know that experience. Yes. Those two, the the writing that comes as a result of those two. Is not intended for anybody else. And as soon as you really understand that, then you don't, well, I don't have any fear whatsoever writing in those two states. It just comes because nobody's going to look at it. This is just me. It's just there on the paper. Like, why would I be worried about it? And I'm not editing between brain and page because when I'm writing journaling stuff, I'm just writing what I can see in my mind. I'm not judging it. I'm just going, oh, there's a thought, write it down, you know? And then, and I often don't go back and look at that. You know, I might go back to try and find something, but what's in my journals is just in my journals, right? It's just that the, the page becomes a container for those thoughts instead of my head. So then my head is freer and I can get to the good stuff inside. But when I'm writing good stuff, it's that feeling of being, becoming the writing almost. And so I'm not judging myself at all because I'm not, I'm in the experience, right? I might go back afterwards and have some thoughts about it, but at the time I'm not for me the what I've learned over the years is that all of my fear is connected to the third state of writing which is solid state writing which is editing and shaping and all that and that the reason it's the place where there will probably always be self-doubt is because those are the words that are intended for sharing with other people not all of them but eventually if you want to put something out in the world you're gonna have to shape it Mm -hmm. Yeah? yeah and and also that's the best way to protect yourself is to do the best job you can with it and also that's the best way to serve people to do the best job that you can so once you understand that I think that it takes a lot of the fear away um, and so that for your chapter samples for for example you know you it's it's wonderful to to have a ritual and start go into that with with some kind of what I call a spark like a a question or a poem or something which is connected in some very vague way to the thing that you want to write about um, and you I can from what we discussed and what I know you're going to do I can imagine the very first two words that you will write on your piece of paper and then off you go and just let it come mm. without thinking about it not is the editor going to like this or yeah. is one of those? it's nothing to do with anybody else just chuck it on the page and then afterwards you come you go into the solid state writing by starting with a piece of your own work and then and even then it's never editing is never personal this is not about whether you're any good or any bad or worth it or anything and it's not a judgment it is a kind of like a review and analysis it's it's objective it's looking at it going okay so if I'm trying to help this person get from here to here is this going to help them to do that is a better way that I could do that and the way of the Phyllis writer there's a whole chapter on that which will help you there's there's a series of questions you can literally just sit down with the questions and use that to edit your piece in the first instance if you find it really difficult to detach from it and not be judgmental about it and that will get you very far and then if you're still struggling you to to be like is this is this any good which is such a dangerous question never ever ask that to somebody else is this any good it's just what are they supposed to say Mm. either yes to make you feel better or no and make you feel terrible it's just Mm. never ever please ask that question um but to come up with specific questions to ask somebody who you trust um to be well placed to answer that and that's you know if you want to pay a freelance editor to give three hours of their time to give you know that that is worth an investment for your book proposal for sure um but you don't want to be doing that yet you want to do all that work yourself and then do it and we've just given one example of in a book proposal but it's the same with with anything and it might be that the first time you submit a magazine article you want to do that get to that stage then get some feedback from somebody who's got you know in a good position to help you and then the more you do it yourself you won't need to do that anymore because you you can play that role for yourself you know
0: that that I I feel a breakthrough will be coming for me very soon. So I'm going to read that section first, but I was just reading that um, while I was waiting for us to start. So I'm looking forward to sitting down with that later.
1: I think really guys to say, Helen. Make sure you do the exercises. I yes. think just to it's you know it's great to just read the book in one go, but also to come back through it and do yes. them one at a time because it especially if you're not used to doing exercises in that way it might be something you think oh this this one's not going to take me anywhere and actually there's like a real gem in it and Mm. it's a really good practice for not controlling it going oh the thing that works always for me is this I'm going to do this no don't do that try something new and see what
0: comes you know open my mind okay yeah well I'm just going to finish our podcast with this little quote and it's your quote from the way of the fearless writer and I put it on Instagram this morning but I felt it was so powerful not just for myself but for the people that I know within the club and um, I know online as well but you say what if we gathered up all the energy we usually spend worrying about what other people think and poured it into our writing and you gives me goosebumps. I think that's so powerful. So thank you, Beth. Thank you so much for coming onto my podcast. Good luck with the publication, the launch and everything. And I do hope you have a lovely day today. It's like having a birthday. Thank (laughs) you
1: so much, Helen. What a treat. I I, I just know that when you are at the point that you feel ready to share your book, with the world it's going to be hugely important for people because so many people go through this and the people in your community are the brave ones who've said yeah this is an issue I want to find some people like me for every one person in your community there's probably 10,000 who who think that and are not living their full creative potential because Mm. they're letting all those people who actually don't matter not to say the people don't matter but their opinion doesn't matter to get in the way of them doing something which might bring them all sorts of joy. So um, thank you for sharing that quote. And I hope that you love the rest of the book. What a joy to chat to you today.
0: Yeah, it's been absolutely wonderful, Beth. So thank you very much.